0: Three.
1: Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, a rare special weekend edition episode. My name is Ben Vallis, a.k.a. Brutal Gash. Joining me, of course, from across the Tasman there in New Zealand, it is Joe, a.k.a. No Scroats
0: McFly. Joe, how's it going? It's bloody sweltering. That's how it's going, mate. Yeah, dude, but it's... I don't want to rub it in. I don't want to rub it in for you Bostonians sitting there in the middle of January. <laughs> I don't know what the temperature is over there. I'm tempted to look it up right now. I guess you'd trade it. But yeah, otherwise, can't complain. I'm not unhappy with the result that we've just seen. Fair. Absolutely. And also
1: joining us, a special guest, well-known Celtics Redditor and host of the very awesome Strangers podcast.
2: It is Laber33. Welcome. Hey, what is this? Like some kind of crossover episode? I feel like I had to say I think that so, day. right? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me on. I hope I don't ruin your podcast. You know, I, I, you might take a bunch of downvotes just for having me involved, but uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, on, we're happy to have you. Stop it, Larry. <laughs> uh, I guess to I've, I've been listening to you guys. You guys are doing an awesome job and uh, really it is cool to join you here.
1: No, likewise, man. I've, I've been enjoying the the strangest podcast, um, for sure. So it's good to do like a um, I don't know, like a Celtics Reddit family uh family gathering of, of some
0: kind. So yeah, sure. thanks again for joining us. I feel like the internet's been copping a bit of flack lately, and I just want to point out that this is pretty cool. You know, like talking to people around the world about sure. the Celtics. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty. flipping that's pretty flippin' sweet. The good anyway. side of the internet. Absolutely. Close parentheses.
1: Now, look, the the Memphis game is just finished. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that. We've got, of course, the the Reddit recap, and we're going to get into all of the the Kyrie leadership and apology shenanigans, I guess you can call them, that have been making headlines for the past couple of days. Just quickly, though, before we get into it, if you want to support the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. You can find us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod, or otherwise, please reach out to us by commenting on the Reddit thread for this episode. All right, maybe an unnecessarily stressful win just now against the Memphis Grizzlies, 122 to 116 in Boston. We're here to talk about it. labird 33. I want. To, I want to go to you first, man. I want to hear your your thoughts and how you're feeling after this game.
2: Well, I think the uh, the big thing is once again Kyrie Irving kind of carrying us, but uh, yeah. obviously huge contributions from Marcus Smart as well. Uh, that guy, I'm sure we're going to talk about him. He, he's been shooting lights out the last month, really, um, which is kind of awesome to see. But uh,
0: actively tracking his three-point percentage. <laughs> I was just looking, and
2: it's his last 10 games, uh, he's averaging 10 points. He's shooting 52% from the field and 50% from three. I mean, obviously that's, that's not sustainable, but uh, it's pretty cool to see, and we do know he worked on his shot a couple off-seasons ago, and it seems to be paying dividends right now, you know?
0: For sure, for sure. I think, I think the shot selection part of it, but, you know... Shot shot selection, right, means he takes better shots, means he makes more of them, means his confidence builds, means he makes more of them. You know, it's, I think he's in a bit of a positive feedback loop right now, and I do actually think buried under the you know the horrific percentages is actually a, a league average shooter or close to it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is false gold. I think if he was, well, I mean it's a little bit false gold. He's not going to shoot fifty percent, but I think he really is a, a league average three point shooter. His shot is not busted. Um, he can do it. It's funny, like, it's kind of cute that we're so excited about one of our
1: players becoming a, league <laughs> shooting athlete, league a three-point shooter. So there's a post on the, the post-game thread, the, the fresh post-game thread after the game on, on Celtic thread. User Brad Stevens wrote, Kyrie and Marcus Smart were made for each other. Smart helping Kyrie with his defense and Kyrie making Smart a better offensive player. Also, Jalen seems to be thriving in his new bench role um all of which I feel is correct but there is like this I don't know Steph and Clay right they're the Splash Brothers they're known for their equally good three-point shooting but there's this there's this new like synergy like the these two like puzzle pieces locking together Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart they just feel like the perfect like AB combo
2: yeah it definitely seems to be there's a symbiotic relationship there <laughs> Kyrie's defense significantly better this season and uh Smart's three-point shooting and uh yeah I'm I'm, I'm with it I think that's uh that's probably a key thing, those two making up for each other's weaknesses. We saw that a little bit, I feel like, when Isaiah Thomas was on the team too. Yeah. You know, his, his size would make him such a liability defensively and Smart would make up for that. And once again, we're kind of seeing that here with Kyrie as well.
0: Yeah, I also think um, I think Kyrie allows Smart to play a little bit more naturally offensively um, because Smart is a playmaker. You know, I sort of feel like we um, Rosier sometimes feels a little bit shoehorned in you know when he's next to him, but, but I, I feel like Smart is a—he's a real point. He's a real playmaker, and um, and Kyrie Irving's just really effective off the ball. So it sort of it sort of gives him a chance to sort of flex another a side of his game that that's really really strong. Um, and and I wonder if in previous years Smart hasn't had quite the opportunity to do that. I think this is the best context for Smart to be in a, you know, um, that we've we've seen for, sure. through, from you know for his entire career.
1: So, the, the Grizzlies game, obviously, I don't know. Like It was, it was kind of a, a alarming and stressful, like I said in the in the intro there, where we sort of dropped the ball a little bit, sort of almost literally in the second and, and some of the third quarter, where you know, we came out really strong in the first. There was that good early intensity, sort of carrying over from the Raptors game, and then it just dropped off completely. And we went back to our, like, this is how we play against shit teams kind of <laughs> methodology. Um, and then... Like, we weren't necessarily in control of the game and then heading into the fourth quarter I think Kyrie Irving checked back in with about seven minutes to go and like very very soon after that you were kind of like huh ah, okay like this is fine now Kyrie is co- completely in control of this game and he just went absolutely nuts obviously he scored 20 in the third quarter which was amazing after a bit of a rest Memphis crawled back and then it was just the Kyrie show all over again like that dude is clutch in in our what well, we've got a little run sheet that we use for this podcast I was just writing some notes in it, and I wrote, Kyrie Irving is an elder mage. I, I don't know like if there's a better term for Kyrie Irving than that. Like He's a bit of a wizard. His, his beard isn't quite gray enough yet, but like he's just, I don't know, there's something about him. They have prosthetics for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, as we've seen
2: with Uncle Drew. But uh, yeah, he's just a fun dude to watch. Yeah, one thing I was uh, I was thinking about is, you know, Tommy Heinsohn once got a little flack for saying that Paul Pierce was the most pu- the best pure scorer in Celtic history and uh-huh. you know people are like what about Larry Bird how do you guys feel like Kyrie Irving compares to Pearson Bird on that scale I mean he is this is why we got this guy it was because he's able to just take over games late he might literally be the best offensive player in the Eastern Conference and I mean there might be an argument to be made that he's the most talented offensive guy uh that the Celtics ever had
0: hmm yeah. way to pose the question Larry
2: um
0: I have mixed I have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, you know, I think he's 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 devastating. Like when he has the ball, sometimes like tonight, you're just like the thing's gonna go in. You know, like it never looks unlikely when he makes a shot. Um, but sometimes I wonder whether, um, like Leonard, uh, when we were having our group chat um, during the Raptors game, I was sort of watching Leonard and Leonard just, you know, he's just so physically imposing in a way that. Kyrie kind of isn't um, and and somehow that just feels it feels a little more inevitable when like Giannis and Kawhi score than, than when Kyrie does um, how's that for a super soft, super non-analytical take <laughs> I, uh, it's all about how I
1: feel when they're holding the ball I'm swinging the complete opposite way, I don't know like recency bias obviously comes into play but Kyrie Irving, I feel like obviously there's not enough sample size when you compare it to Larry Bird and, and Pierce, who had like good long tenures with the Celtics. But sure. so far, so good, right? Like Kyrie Irving's pretty damn good, and whenever he gets the ball, particularly in clutch situations, um, there's just this kind of no doubt that he's going to do something to to win us the game. And he we needed it from him tonight, and he, he certainly did it. Um, best offensive player the Celtics have ever had, probably too early to say but like he's certainly trending in the right direction yeah i'm i'm close to to beginning to consider
2: agreeing with that if that makes sure, sense <laughs> he certainly doesn't but have that, the, the accolades or the you know the resume at this point from a celtic standpoint but i mean yeah. just as a pure talent i mean the guy he's shooting you know close to 50 40 90 club this season averaging point yeah. 20, 23 points and Pierce really never came close to doing that. I mean, he was obviously a gifted scorer in his own right, but if Tommy could say that Pierce was better than Bird from just a pure scoring standpoint, I think there's an argument to be made there that this guy is, you know, on that level or above. Yes, yeah.
0: Pierce, Pierce didn't really have. He had some really efficient seasons in, the, in like in the Big Three era, but you're right. Like back when he was pumping out the points, um, you know, uh, particularly after Antoine left, you know, he had a lot of really inefficient seasons. I think one thing that does separate him we always forget about the free throws, eh? You know, like when we're thinking about players, like what sticks in our mind is not drawing a foul. We think about Kyrie doing stuff like that, that layup where he like took it strong on the fast break, off the feet off Brown, and then he like switched it to his left hand just at the last minute. And you think, oh my gosh, that is staggering. But it's worth just as much as Pierce pump faking from the elbow, right? And getting, you know, and getting to the line. And it's in... Pierce is Pierce was super effective, man. Pierce was going to the line like ten times a game. That really counts, eh? Like, um, it's in terms of a spectacle though. I, I, how about this? How about we go with this? Is Kyrie the most spectacular scorer the Celtics have ever seen? I'm pretty happy to say yes. He is a spectacular yeah. scorer.
1: I think he's one of the most spectacular scorers that the league has ever seen. Like he's he's tantalizing True, yeah. to watch, right? Like that's it's just entertaining. There's no other way to put
0: it he's like Iverson, but he's just, he's actually a little more pure. Like Iverson was, um, I mean, I, Iverson, there just was these cold stretches, you know, like Kyrie's never really that cold. That's how I feel. You know, he's a better shooter than Iverson was. Maybe that's what I'm just trying to say.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, Kyrie can do those things. Iverson in his prime, he was shooting some seasons under 40% from the field and under you know? 30% from three. And Kyrie is able to do these things while still being extremely efficient. It is, it is, like you said, he's like a mage. The dude's amazing to watch. <laughs> Give him at least that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in on Kyrie, I think, believe me. I mean, we'll get to, I mean, the, the talent maybe drops off a little bit once he gets into the locker room and they stick a microphone in front of his face, but <laughs> right. we're going to get to <laughs> sure. that a little bit later. <laughs> all right. um, it's all about on-court Kyrie stuff at the moment. I guess the, the one difference, going back to the comparison, particularly between Pierce and Kyrie, Pierce was with us for a while and then the help arrived, whereas Kyrie is a little bit, he's, he's part of the help that arrived, I guess, for Al Horford and and Brad Stevens like he sort of he hasn't been with us from the beginning so
0: does he feel like our guy you know like Pierce was our guy yeah, right like sure, Pierce yeah. is a celtic
2: yeah. Now, know, does
0: that kind of factor in?
2: Now, I feel like I need to backtrack because people might be uh, livid at me comparing him to Pierce. I'm not saying, of course, Pierce was amazing. It's the same kind of logic you can use to really annoy Lakers fans if you want to tell them that LeBron James is the most talented Laker of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. They'll get mad, and you can make the argument because they're like, "Hey, we're talking about you know Magic and Kobe." But yeah, same Probably kind of logic so there. Variety. Just pure like if you're doing a draft from just skill standpoint, Gil you carries know, up there. But sure, Pierce. I love Pierce. I'm not trying to diss Pierce. <laughs> No, no, I get it though. Like they, it's getting to the point where they are comparable.
1: Kyrie had his his hundredth game with the Celtics today, so he's starting to feel more like ours a little bit, right? Like definitely for that first season, it kind of felt like we borrowed him, you know, like he was yeah. like he was loaned to us in like they do in um in Sorry. football in the UK. Sorry,
0: pardon me, football.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but it's uh he's definitely feels like more like our guy now and our marquee guy, especially after like the last couple of games where he's like completely won that shit for us. So. Good on you, Kyrie. We'll, we'll get to your we'll get to your locker room shenanigans a little bit later. Um, <laughs> some stuff. Hey, I'd, to... I'd, sorry, sorry, Joe.
0: Just a quick just a quick point on that though. Like, um, the reason why I felt like quite really bonded to Pierce as like a as a fan, you know. Um, was in large part because I mean there was a time there when and and we might get to some of these yes or no like what's your sorry not sorry section coming up? <laughs> uh, yep. Don't want to. Don't. Wanna, but I'm looking forward to that section. But there <laughs> was a time where Pierce was pretty unhappy as a Celtic and him and Rivers were at loggerheads. I remember it well and kind of him maturing through that and becoming kind of a, a bit of a statesman and um, the team as part of what. Endears you to you, yeah. endears you him to you as a fan, right? Like we like that story. So I guess there's capacity for Kyrie to have a similar narrative arc.
2: That's an extremely good point. In 2005, the playoffs. I don't know if you remember that Indiana series. Yeah, that the, was the, a, the, yeah, the really the, key the play. Yeah, there was a key play towards the end where you know Pierce had an offensive foul and got ejected from the game, and it was, the game was on the line. And then he took off his jersey, waved it over his head. And if you go to any, uh, you know, any forum at that time, Celtics fans were just, they're angry at him. They were just yeah. like, this guy, is, he's not a class act. He's, you know, he's a cancer. We got to get rid of him. It's the same yeah. kind of thing. Like we don't know, you know, pretend, hopefully Kyrie sticks around in five, 10 years from now. We'll look back on this. and like this is ridiculous. Anyone was ever questioning Kyrie as a, a Celtic, you know, hopefully yeah. same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I, I mean, we'll definitely, I think some of the stuff that's going on with Kyrie at the moment, it's not quite equal to the the Pierce stuff that you just referred to, but like there's a bit of tension, a bit of drama that if we come out of it the right way, like maybe we can look back on that as fondly as as those Pierce Dark days eventually. But we're definitely not there yet. I uh, I, I want to get before we move on to the the, the deeper darker Kyrie stuff, um, to <laughs> some more stuff from this Memphis game, which literally just happened. I'm, I'm still di- digesting it myself, but uh, Tatum and Morris dropped off particularly Mook Morris who was playing like an MVP for a while there uh he was I've got his stats here 4 for 12 from the field 0 for 5 from 3 and like a a bad 0 for 5 from 3 like they were like not near misses they were terrible like brick shots that he was putting up and he's just kind of I don't know he's kind of dropped off a little bit and it weirdly coincides with the like the scuffle that he had with Jalen Brown in the in, during that time out a couple of a couple of weeks ago, a couple of and days ago.
0: It weirdly coincides with uh, with Larry's um, sell hype.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of thing I was worrying about, you know, if he continues <laughs> to struggle, there's going to be a lot of people calling for bringing Jalen Brown or Hayward back into the starting lineup, and uh, then we'll look back and I'll say, hey, we should have sold him when we had a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about
1: sample sizes a lot on this podcast, and it's it's only fortunately been a small sample size of, of Mook Morris playing badly, but um, like... I don't know, it's a pretty steep cliff that he, he seems to have fallen off. So, I don't know. But yeah, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has played particularly well in his stead. It's almost like there was some sort of exchange of, uh, like a, you know, on a Space Jam level scale, like exchange <laughs> of, of talent as they touched each other in that brief moment. Who knows? They
2: freaky friday one another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so so uh you were just saying about morris like his last three games he's shot particularly poorly but I, I think partially that's just like the guy was due he was shooting extremely well all season and you knew this was inevitable it's for some point yeah. right uh,
1: yeah it's a long season yeah. so um you know as long as he peaks again towards the playoffs you know i'll be happy with that
2: Joe?
0: Yeah, and he is not he is not a 43 percent three-point shooter he isn't has
2: it's right his, you know you just his, 45 isn't. this season it's crazy
0: is that what he's up to right now? He might he might have dipped percent. to forty three after this game. That's true. That's <laughs> true. <knows>? That's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the playoff. Pre- it's the uh, pressure of the All Star votes. A lot of people are trying to do a All Star campaign for Morris right now, and maybe it's getting to him. That's <laughs> <laughs> <just> too much.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Uh, user Nefera underscore wrote, "Thank God the Celtics paid Marcus Smart before he became the best three point shooter in the NBA." <laughs> uh, and user Family Guy thirty five, who is a a Blazers fan who whenever we win in a clutch situation comes into our post game threads and like celebrates our clutchness with us, which is awesome. He wrote, here comes the stretch run for y'all trust the Clutches team in NBA history, which uh, from his point of view is correct. It's, it's a bizarre situation, but it's it's what makes Celtics Reddit. It's one of the things that makes Celtics Reddit so good, right? This is random Blazers fan who has this clutch based relationship with us. So I wanted to finally (laughs) give him a shout out.
0: Oh, that's nice of you being
1: <laughs> We touched on uh, Mook going cold. Uh, Tatum, 0 for 6 from the field. He did have six boards and four assists and, a, and an excellent dish to Al Horford late in the fourth, like an, a sweet extra pass to, to get Al a, a good and very necessary look at the time. But um, I don't know. I guess there are good things and, and bad things to take out of Tatum's recent uh, self-lacing shoe stretch. <laughs> um. so obviously he's not shooting particularly well but he, he still is making good plays and, and a little bit playing within the flow of the offense 0 for 6 is bad but the, the plus side of that is that he only took 6 shots which is like maybe pretty heady for a 20 year old to actually like dial it back a bit when he's, when he's not on
0: I thought he had like let's see if this makes sense I thought he had a good bad game like for yeah. bad games as far as bad games go it was pretty good like um, he was aggressive I was watching him a lot uh, defensively um, he, he, he gave up one cut that I, for a dunk um, when we had a chance to go up seven which I wasn't happy about I can't remember exactly when it was um, but by and large you know like he was trying to do the right thing you know when they tried to get him going he wasn't settling you know he wasn't settling so that so to me like if, if he doesn't settle and it doesn't go his way that's cool Like that, you're just going to have those nights that's fine Move on. Have another game. He's a good player.
2: Yeah, I agree. For sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Actually, hold on, hold on. I actually wanted to. You brought up that first comment. This is totally out of order. But that first co- comment about Smart, I thought was really interesting. About sure. how it's his uh, his post contract year, and he's putting up career stats for him. So I don't know if you saw this. There was a post that uh, kind of the most recent post right now saying that Steven says he's not surprised by Marcus Smart shooting. He says he works really hard. Worked really hard on it two summers ago. And would have seen it pay off more last season had he not dealt with a few hand injuries. Sure, uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> he didn't
0: deal with the injuries, he dealt them himself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? If yeah. he hadn't punched the glass. But the other thing is, I, this was kind of a uh, someone we had a, kind of a lot of chat about this uh, last season because he obviously he worked on his shot, and there was videos of him totally changing his form in the off season, and it seemed to be have um, it, was, it seemed to have been paying dividends. In the preseason last year he was just shooting exceptionally well he was shooting like 65 percent from three it was an extremely small sample size of four games but in the midst of that it was also in the midst of his contract uh, extension negotiations and i remember this because like gary harris had just signed a four-year 84 million dollar extension meanwhile andre robertson had signed for three years 30 million and there was a lot of debate about whether or not smart was on the gary harris side or the andre robertson side right. yeah and I just think from like that standpoint. I know his agent's Happy Walters, who was the same agent that represented Nerlens Noel when he turned down a seventy-four million dollar extension. I just got to think that like it was right in the midst of that, right after preseason. I imagine his agent had gone to the Celtics and said, "Hey, pay this guy twenty million a year." And the Celtics were like, eh, probably more like ten. And then they ultimately didn't reach an extension. And right after that, Smart just started breaking him again. And I, you know, my thought on that was like that's got to be a lot of pressure on yourself because now it's like, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove that I'm this guy. That's so much pressure to try to basically shoot like you haven't in your entire career uh-huh. when you know you're paying for, playing for a contract. Whereas right now, I mean maybe partially this shooting is sustainable because he has the money now. He doesn't have to worry about that and he could just relax and play his game. It doesn't have this thing hanging over his head. Do you think that's uh, plausible or is it totally a fluke?
0: Uh- I think it I think it is plausible that the idea of smart pressing to, you know, prove himself in the middle of, an, of a contract negotiation. Yeah, like I mean, what else has changed? Right? Like I mean, he's 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 in a bit I think he's in a like a slightly better basketball situation with Curry, but you know, he had plenty of time to play with the starters last year as well, too. So, yeah, I think there I think there might be something to that, eh. Yeah, it's,
1: and it's not just these spot-up shooting that's gotten better as well. Like, you know, Maybe call this a fluke, maybe call it an anomaly, but there was a, a late shot against the Raptors a couple of days ago where he, he like ISOed and stepped back and took like a really difficult three-point shot and it was like a classic no-no-yes shot and he just made it. And like at what point you just go, okay, like maybe I'm all right with you taking those shots. And, and yeah, maybe it's a, a mental thing like like La Bird is is saying, like maybe... Like he's gotten over the hump and the the stress of like playing for a contract and now he can just play like for himself and the team and and maybe that's like a better mental situation for him. It's definitely plausible.
0: Man, speaking of Happy Walters.
1: Great name, by the uh, way. uh, Yeah.
0: I was watching a movie and I saw this like I can't even remember which one it was, and I saw this credit roll up and Happy Walters in it. He's like a film producer as well as an agent. Like pretty nuts, eh? baller in his own right. (laughs) Yeah. That's nuts. Those are two like I would imagine being an NBA agent's a pretty full-on occupation, you know. But obviously not enough for him. He's got to you know fill in some time producing movies or whatever.
2: You sure yeah. it wasn't uh, Happy Madison? I think that's Adam Sandler's uh, production company it's called Happy Madison.
0: Ah, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm positive I saw Happy Walter. Okay, all right. you know? I mean, now how, you're making me I look him up. And, how hard can it IMDb. be?
1: Yeah. you signed the you signed the players. They go and play basketball, you go and make some movies. What's no. <laughs> how could it be? Oh, clearly.
0: <laughs>
2: You're right, actually I'm looking it up. He does have uh, he has some credits on his filmography, so there you go. <laughs> Not so hey. crazy.
0: He probably lives right on the corner from your grandma too. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so while we're
1: on Marcus Smart, uh, user RLS 012 posted a Jared Weiss tweet, Marcus Smart becomes the 10th player in the NBA this season to score 20 points with one or zero two point field goal attempts and the only only the third to do it with less than 10 total field goal attempts. Uh, CP3 and Josh Hart being the others per basketball reference. Um, which I, I think just just like uh, inflates the balloon. Like the, the Marcus Smart is a weirdly unique, bizarre player balloon. I'm just glad that we, we've got him signed up, right? And he's ours and like we can just enjoy this. And uh, it, I guess my point is, is you know, his restricted free agency was, was recent, right? And we're really, really lucky that this stretch has come after that because he, he would have for sure been offered a contract that he couldn't refused by like Brooklyn or or um uh, the magic or someone who can afford him um feel I wake up every day just <laughs> fucking happy that we have him <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's sort of starting to make me wonder what he actually is worth though because as the season's gone on and um I found myself thinking man like you know the, the Brad Stevens call or Marcus Smart Impact's winning well essentially that's what we pay basketball players to do right like we pay the impact winning. And Kyrie's amazing, right? Kyrie is amazing. But I, I don't think Smart impacts winning much less than Kyrie, mm. you know? Mm. Like, Smart stats are never, ever, they're always going to be totally out of whack with whatever contract he's got. He is just, he's a freak, you know? Like, he's a freak. Like, he impacts everything. You know, that thread that Jay King had um, yesterday, you probably saw it bouncing around Twitter. Yeah. You know? Like, He's a basketball savant and he's built like a tank and you know he's you know he he can he can pass he can shoot average you know he just he's just re- a really great legitimately great player you know
2: he is definitely one of the most unique intangibles players I've ever seen I mean like you said there's a play like multiple plays throughout the game you're like I don't think anyone else could do that and yeah. uh, it is He's definitely is a basketball player for sure. Like that guy is a basketball player. He doesn't have to score necessarily. He's just able to do things that are remarkable.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, a couple of other quick notes here on the Memphis game before we move on. Jason Tatum got to the free throw line within 63 seconds, which was a weirdly important observation. I think it was just that's it's kind of been a hole in his game so far. And you know he didn't hit any shots from the field, but that was a good early sign of aggression. The other thing on Kyrie Irving, obviously he had a good game. I'm just looking at his stats now. 38 points, 11 assists, 7 boards, 78% from the field. Just absolutely nuts. But he, he wasn't like particularly aggressive with his shot early in the game. And I thought that he showed um, like shades of, of Rondo, like prime Rondo. Um, and what I mean by that is he was coming down the, the court with the ball and and like old school vintage Kyrie would, would look for his shot very early on. Um, but he was like always looking for the pass and he was looking back. At all the guys trailing behind him, especially when he was the first guy down the court, looking for a trailer to you know get a, a top of the the arc three or someone cutting into the into the bucket, and I don't know, like the only time I've ever seen someone look for the pass, you know that that directly is, I, I guess, Rajon Rondo. It was just a, a like a cool addition to Kyrie's game that I hadn't really noticed before.
0: And even like the delivery on some of the passes was like kind of unorthodox, like yeah. Rondo. Rondo, he had this one pass where it was like. He threw a two hand bounce pass over his head, like he was kind of leaning to the side, and he mm-hmm. threw a two hand bounce pass. Like that, like it's a, it was just a really, from the camera angle, it was, you couldn't almost tell it had bounced because it was like, you know how, like, when you're, when the camera, it's, it's as though the pass is heading straight back up to the camera, like in line with the camera thing, it, it, you can't pick up the bounce. It was yeah. just a really unorthodox thing. And I, I found myself thinking at that time, um, yeah, man, that was quite a Rondo type play.
2: It's a pretty awesome trend, though, to see him in the last couple of games. You know, having what thirty assists combined is. Uh, let's hope that keeps up. Um, yeah, yeah, because nice. that seemed to be like the one thing that was lacking out of his game is the scoring. But now it's uh, a lot more distribution as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's sort of like.
0: I guess we want him to be aggressive, eh? You know, like we want him to be aggressive all the time, and and maybe sometimes Kyrie isn't. Isn't actually that aggressive, you know? Like wh- whether he's scoring or whether he's or whether he's assisting, we want him to be aggressive. We want to imp- we want him to really put pressure on that on the other team um, at all times. And I guess the assists to me are more a, a indicator of that. You know that maybe he's just been a bit more aggressive a bit sooner.
2: Yeah, I also wonder if it's um, you know him still kind of even though we're at this point, it's like his second season with um, with Brad Stevens as a coach still trying to figure out what his role is in this. I mean, we have kind of an offense where we've been sharing the ball and trying to find open man, and I feel like maybe Kyrie's trying to figure out how much control he should be taking of the basketball at all times, like with his usage. um, It does seem like they're still trying to figure things out.
0: I think that's true. Um, You know, because you take a look at a guy like Jalen Brown, right? We still haven't figured out what Jalen Brown's sort of – Optimal NBA role is like, is he a Paul George player or is he like a deluxe Danny Green? You know, um, <laughs> it, like, w- what is he? You know, but in the meantime, yep. you've kind of got to find out so that you know, like, uh, the reason I say that is like, you know, part of Kyrie's role on the team, or if you look at the way the team's functioning, and Kyrie's trying to fit in, like, we're sort of trying to find out about what these guys are and trying to give them playmaking opportunities and that sort of thing. Um, and that sort of necessitates Kyrie playing, well, just giving up control, right, um, for, for, for stretches, which isn't really the best thing for the team today, right, but, um, but it may be tomorrow. So um, I, I guess I can understand organizationally why you'd want Kyrie to maybe play that way a little bit, but um, tonight it was good that he took charge because we really needed him too. You know, yeah, it felt it felt like the game was in hand once we took the lead in the third quarter. Yeah, it just to me, I just felt I felt pretty comfortable. I kind of
1: felt like Kyrie was like taking a backseat and waiting, waiting to see if anyone else had a hot hand. Like, and then mm-hmm. it kind of got to winning time, and he was like, "No, all right, all right, I'm going to take over now," and like did so effortlessly, and and we won the game. And I'm okay with that formula going forward. Um, you mentioned Jalen Brown. I, you know, is he a deluxe Danny Green? Maybe for this team, if you look at the roster, maybe that's what he has to be. Like, he can't be Paul George. There's already too many cooks in the kitchen. A lot of people will say... yeah. He. I felt like he was smashing corner threes tonight. Um, and I'm looking at his stats now, and he's only two for four from three. But my memory serves me differently. And every time he got an open corner three, he hit it down. <laughs> Clearly, that was only two times. But just like <laughs> that role, that role like a defense first. Like, he was, it was pretty much everywhere defensively and, and um, like an enforcer on the defensive end. Um, and then he was smart offensively and didn't take too many terrible shots. And I feel like the couple of fadeaway two-pointers that he did take were also no-no-yes shots. We I'm not necessarily okay with him taking them, but all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he's hitting those shots that, that T-Mac taught him how to hit in the offseason. And I don't know if you can hit him at a, a good clip, which he has been in 2019, then I'm all right with that. So Jalen Brown in, in his bench role so far um, – I don't know. It's good. I like it.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's, a bit, it's never, like, analogies by definition are inexact, right? But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like Jalen Brown, my, my sense on him is that he is a really going to be a really great role player, like a more athletic Jay Crowder. For, maybe that's a better way of putting it, you know? Jay Crowder with, a, like, a little bit more, you know, happening out of the post. But I want him to play like Jay Crowder because I think that's the best way for him to play. Um, but I would say like with, with a couple of caveats in, in those turnaround jumpers you talk about, like I'm fine when he takes them after he's sort of got his feet in the paint, you know, or sort of like within 10 feet, Mm -hmm. I don't like them when there's, when they're like one pace back, you know, like I, I, I don't have, you know, we don't have whatever, whatever is a second spectrum or (laughs) sports view or whatever it is that tells you these things. But I I would, I would like hazard a guess. That his percentages are significantly higher from say 10 feet than they are from 15 which you know it's probably a bit of a captain obvious statement but um <laughs> but I, I i i'm kind of fine with those ones i think that's a shot that he can make yeah. and i think he he has rhythm when he does it
2: how are you guys uh you know it's obviously my first conversation with you guys about this how do you guys feel about Jalen brown's ceiling you know i think people hear you saying comparing to crowder and they're kind of potentially get a little bit annoyed by that but i mean Obviously, that's what you yes. mean as far as his role with his when this within this team. But like, what do you guys are you pretty lukewarm on him as a prospect in general, or are you still having these high hopes of him potentially becoming a star someday? Joe and I are very different people. Joe Joe uh, is
1: much more realistic than than I, and there's probably a lot more merit to, to Joe's uh, like athletic crowd comparison. I um I just want and anyone who comes in rocking short shorts and a flat top. I just want them to be <laughs> the best player in the league, and I, I I hold out hope that that happens. And and any sort of um reason or logic uh, doesn't creep into that take. So uh, he's got the athleticism, right? And he's clearly you know he's clearly a bit of an intellectual, and you know people call him a Renaissance man. And I mean if if you have the athletic tools, the physical tools, and you're clearly a smart intellectual person surely there's a a gap that you can bridge and and bring that all together. Um, You're smart enough to to take the the skills and the talent that you have and and form them into a good holistic basketball player. I, at Jalen Brown's current young age, am still pretty comfortable he can do that. Whether or not this is the right situation for him to to come to fruition that way, um, I'm not sure. It it may not be, but I do feel like he, he has the potential and therefore his ceiling is very high.
0: Well, can I can I ask you the question? Larry? Like, I I kind of like to respond to both. I I'd be interested to hear what you had to say.
2: Yeah, with him, uh, I think I've talked about it a few times in my podcast because I got this kind of label as being a Jalen hater. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I was on. I was in on him as soon as we drafted him. He's a young guy with great, you know, physical attributes, and obviously he was kind of really, really raw. Um, and I think that a lot of fans last season that were super on the Jalen Brown train weren't really giving uh, that as much credit as it deserve, deserved. He is, you know, a very raw player. Didn't have a lot of. Um, I mean, there were certain things he could do really, really well. He could attack the basket. He could hit open threes. Like last year, he was hitting open shots extremely well. But there's still limitations to his game. But again, he's still only 21, 22 years old, and I think when we first drafted him, the idea was, like, hopefully this guy can have a developmental thing uh, like Jimmy Butler, which was, like, a pretty rare developmental curve where it took him, like, five or six years to become the player he is. It's worth noting that Jalen is still the same age right now as Butler was when he entered the league, and Butler was terrible back then, right? So I still have a lot of hope that he can become a good player someday. I don't see him as an equal level prospect as Tatum. And I've said that many times on Reddit and people have been mad at me about that, <laughs> but, but it doesn't mean that I'm out on him. And I'm just curious, like, do you guys think that by the end of the season, do you think he's still in this bench role or do you think that he's going to work his way back into starting lineup at some point?
0: Um. Well, I, I guess maybe I'll, I'll field both questions there. So, um, I'm probably, I feel like I'm in between you guys in terms of who, who Jalen is as a, like in a, in a, in a, like a league average scenario, right? Like put him in in a league average sort of scenario. Um, I, st- I still don't see him as a, like a true, like your classic offensive superstar. Like it, it almost might be easy to ask what, instead of what is his ceiling, like what isn't his ceiling, you know? Like, sure. is it his... Deep. This is selling Paul George Like no No it's not Like And, and the reason why And this, this this has come up a couple of times On some other podcasts I feel like maybe Zach Lowe Talked about it I'm not sure But Jalen's Like he's got this Slight woodenness to him He's He's got these Like he's, His instincts aren't Like awesome Um, Sort of things like uh, You know how like He will Like Like A classic thing is Like when he catches the ball in the like on on a lob, and he can't go. He can't you know alley oop it or whatever. He'll come down and um and he will be like kind of wooden, right? Like he gets a shot blocked a lot in those scenarios. Like just real basketball players who just kind of have it in their like just they just kind of have it in their bones. They just they they seem to land softer. They seem to have a move. They seem to be able to find a way to get that shot up. Like I mm-hmm. sort of feel like those sorts of things uh he'll get the ball you know like a lot of his stuff where he loses the ball in transition like he'll have a lot of weird mistakes where like he just didn't sense somebody coming up behind him and he loses the ball like that's the sort of thing that you you really can't teach and it just Mm -hmm. kind of suggests to me that like he kind of has to be taught everything that he's going to know and and there's a limit to sort of what you can teach people and he is like he's to me, I like him when he plays with force, right? So that's why I, I sort of see him as a, as a role player like Jalen. Your role is to get out there and just go balls to the wall. Like Kyrie, he, he can't have the Kyrie kind of mentality where he's kind of, I don't know, the word I'll use is slinky. You know, Kyrie plays slinky. <laughs> sure. Jalen can't do that. That just doesn't fit him. Jalen's got to be decisive, man. He's got to be, catch it, get rid of it, shoot it, drive it, right? Like... And, and no straight away. He's got to – to me, he's got to be a role player to really thrive. But um, be a role player in a situation where he's given the license to be aggressive. So, you know, he, he can't be a guy – like, he's not Bruce Bowen, <laughs> you know. Like, he is he has a real shooter. He can shoot. Um, he, he he can definitely go straight line drive. He can do some stuff, you know. But where do I see him topping out? As I see him topping out, at probably like a – I see him as like a – like an 18, 6, and 3 kind of guy if you use counting stats and um, and some potentially some really, really great defense in there, you know? Sure. um, And so in terms of this season, yeah, I think he will stay on the bench. I do. Um, I, yeah. I think, um, I, like I say, I think he also needs to learn to accept this role, you know? Like, just because that's who I think he is. And look, I could well be wrong, you know, but that's just, just another opinion just another opinion and a sea of opinions <laughs> that's,
1: that's what we're here for it's all about the opinions <laughs> yeah, yeah. um the the Jalen stuff you talk about it being wooden like especially that was a good example when he catches the ball right under the basket there that's that's a maturity thing in, in my eyes like that's something that he can develop more fluidity with as he as he matures and as he ages and you know you talk about his role like he doesn't he doesn't need to be great at that yet. Like he's got his role and I, I do think that he's becoming more and more used to it, which is why we're seeing more um, uh, like contributions from him out of this role and off the bench lately. And and then he can, he can grow and he can mature into, into more of a role, maybe a starter um, as he ages. But yeah, I mean, Labird, like you said, he's the age um, only now that Jimmy Butler was when he came into the league. So he's, he's got plenty of time and, and he's quite young, and you know, hope hope springs eternal. <laughs> He'll probably be all right. Um, we are running long here on our on our <laughs> post game analysis. Just some very very quick points before we move on. Bainsey, big bloody Bainesy, He's uh, he's offensive rebounding, uh, very very effective. Bainzy. Yeah, so much better than Danny T. Uh, so much better than, you know, dare I say it, the Time Lord. V- very very effective backup center, and probably a, a starting center sort of caliber for a lot of teams. The other thing, Omri Caspi's shot, um, this is a very quick note here, is the closest <laughs> thing to Rick Barry's free throw form that I've ever seen, but he, he does it from beyond the arc. Like, that's a it's this weird, like, sort of flip shot. I feel like he'd be really good at beer pong with that form. Just a bizarre form. That, What's um...
0: shooting practice like at the Grizzlies when you've got, like, Noah hucking up those jumpers <laughs> and then Caspi? Like, it barely looked like a professional team, surely.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had, they had some really good stretches tonight. Like, they... there's a, I think there's a good culture in Memphis, right? Like, they they had the grit and grind thing. And, you know, while they're obviously not a great team, um, they they have some stretches where they look like they know what they're doing. And, and Mike Conley and, and Gasol have a lot to do with that. But um, they're almost surprisingly bad, given, like, the culture and, and some of the talent they have. But anyway... Anyway, look, we can, we can go into that all night, uh, but we haven't got all night. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. All right. Welcome back. This is the Reddit recap. We're going to start with a post from user All Creatives who posted a tweet uh, around Danny Ainge's comments on the Toucher and Rich, I guess it's a radio show I don't know, we don't, we don't quite receive that frequency here in Sydney uh, and I'm just going to summarize it, there a couple of quotes from Danny Ainge where he said, regarding Kyrie's recent uh, shenanigans, as we've been referring to them so far, to me, he said these aren't stories They're not a big deal. I mean, yes, Kyrie could have done better. Yes, Jalen could have done better. But these are people. These are kids. These are guys playing with emotion in a glass house. They're real people with real emotions. They're not perfect, and I don't ever expect them to be. Guys, this is obviously a segue into a lot of the the Kyrie Irving headline-making comments and, and, and whatnot. Uh, I'm curious to hear we're gonna to go to Labird first and we we're gonna branch out from there Labird Bird. what's what's your take on this this Kyrie thing? because there are a lot of
2: opinions here? Well, I mean upfront, uh, you know we talked about how Kyrie obviously is an extremely gifted player. um we're we're lucky to have him. I think Scal kept saying in the broadcast we're just lucky to have this guy playing at this level. And I you know there's a- there's aspects of his game that continue to improve his defense distribution. He's seemingly well liked throughout the league. We keep hearing stories about how players love him, but then there's kind of like this negative thing, and um, you know, off the bat, some of the crazy views he has around the world. I think get some people a little <laughs> around bit around uh, the world. Uh, yeah, around the world. <laughs> um, Sorry, <laughs> you know, maybe the, maybe those views are misguided, you know. But I think the guy's probably generally pr- pretty intelligent and pretty intelligent. You know, I can't, I can't be too judgmental about some of his views. You know, we have our GMs, uh, a Mormon bishop, and. Mormons have some interesting views in the world. Hayward is a, a Trump supporter. Rozier <laughs> is potentially a, has significant gang affiliations. So, I mean, I'm not too worried about his views around the world, but the main thing people, they seem to be freaking out about. is just like his leadership qualities right now. And I think you just have to remember, I mean, he's 26 years old. He's the same age as Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. And this is new for him, right? He hasn't had, uh, you know, he's been p- part, partially by choice, but he hasn't been in this role where he is now leading a young team and being expected to present himself in a certain way when he is obviously like like Ange says, he has a he's an emotional person. He has uh you know he's gonna be up and down with the with the team, same as everyone else. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, do you guys? How do you feel just in general about like his reaction to this leadership role right now?
0: Well, I just wanna, I'll, I'll Ben, I'd like to get your um comments first, but like I would like just point out one thing. Like, what's Ainge gonna say? He's not gonna be like, <laughs> you know what. This is actually a major issue. We've been contemplating whether we've got a future with Kyrie, right? Like, <laughs> of course, he's gonna, he's yeah. he's got to pour cold water over it somehow, right? So I don't, I take that with a pinch of salt. But anyway, Ben.
1: Well, yeah. So pouring cold water over it—that's a—that's a good term. Like that is, and it's a, a good example of of Ange truly being a, a good leader, right? So like, I definitely think that it's great that Kyrie addressed the problem. Uh, like he, he definitely was wrong to call out the team on a public stage like that and, and wrong to yell at Heywood and Brad publicly at the end of the magic game um, and he was probably right to apologize for doing so but I don't know like if your goal is to dispel the drama and to move on don't don't bring up LeBron James don't say his name like as soon as you move your mouth and the words LeBron James come out especially if you're Kyrie Irving, The media and the fans are gonna embark on a feeding frenzy, which is like pretty much what happened, right? And further to that, he did kind of seem to be comparing himself to LeBron James, (laughs) like whether or not he is comparable to LeBron in his role or otherwise, um, you know, whatever. But you know, doing so publicly is just gonna create more ripples around the team. Where I, I feel like his goal was to, to like loosen the the slack and and sort of you know dispel the drama and all of that. But like it was a weirdly sort of self involved sorry not sorry situation like he he just kind of yeah. there's a there's a Curb enthusiasm episode about it where he just like the the apology was not like commensurate to the to the problem in the first place
0: <laughs> yeah um so i i guess i was i sort of try to put myself in that situation okay so you know, and you see the TNT guys. I don't know if you've seen their like their little segment on it. Yeah, I saw it today. And like Charles Barkley was like, "Man, if it was me, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be hot." Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd want to knock him out. And to be honest, if I was in that situation, I probably wouldn't be like, mm, "If it was me, just as me, I, I would be like, you know what, Curry, Curry, your dick, a little bit of a dick." <laughs> but, yeah. but honestly, Curry, this is the thing. Like Curry Irving. Is probably just a little bit of a dick in real life like he probably yeah. is and and um to to my way of thinking this is what this is a guy who's a dick trying not to be a dick and this is what happens right this is kind of like this is kind of this is kind of like the human emotional equivalent of jalen brown trying to like Um, Run the offense Right Like Kyrie Irving Trying to apologize Is kind of a little bit Outside of his role A little bit You know It's not like It's not like something That he's That's real native to him Um, That's That's my sense Um, But I did think it was genuine And like I I thought that was The most important thing Like I think he was I don't actually think He was I don't think he was Actually trying to Set off the firestorm No You know I think he was actually Trying to say Look I got it." Like I went about this the wrong way. But underlying that is what he's apologizing for isn't the fact that he thinks the, that he's not apologizing for his opinion, right? Like his opinion of the young players hasn't changed. Yeah, he's, he's apologizing. apologizing for bringing out <laughs> it out in public. And like the deliveries. yeah. The, yeah, he's like yeah, the delivery, right. So if I'm a, if I'm one of those young players, I'd be like um you're still not trusting us. You're still kind of bagging us. Like I think that is a valid interpretation of it. But I guess that doesn't necessarily um, – that doesn't mean that the, the apology wasn't genuine. Like, that doesn't mean that this isn't actually Kyrie trying to be better, and it, it doesn't mean that it's not a sign of growth, even though he did kind of screw it up a little bit. Yep. Like, a little
2: bit. I think he's, he's got, like, a history of kind of putting his foot in his mouth with, with all sorts of topics. Like, you talked about oh, – I <laughs> he to... – he, he,
0: you see, he, oh man, it drives me crazy. What was the, the, one of the sentences he said, he said, I wanted everything at my threshold. Yeah. Like, oh my <laughs> That's gosh. That's not what that word means. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: not an appropriate word for that sentence. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> it's like, it's kind
2: of, kind of similar to what you had said though. Like when you're uh, talking about not apologizing for, what he actually did but uh kind of when he was apologizing to everyone for having a flat earth belief he wasn't actually apologizing for believing the world was flat he was apologizing to teachers for making them change their curriculum it's like (laughs) dude just stop stop talking about it but i mean i don't know man i feel like in some in some respects he's become kind of like a, a scapegoat for some of the early struggles and i get it like the whole lebron james thing it was in, it was interesting because it was ironic. It was like the way that Kyrie presented himself there, where he's kind of like blaming on the young players, is exactly the kind of thing that you would expect Kyrie to have been pissed off about. And how LeBron carried himself on that Cavs team, and instead he's like, "I talked to LeBron, and uh, you know, I apologize for being a, a cocky young kid." It's like, dude, that's just the wrong thing to say there. But I don't know. Like, one thing that's kind of concerning to me that I wanted to ask you guys about <laughs> is like, there seems to be this weird kind of like despite the fact we have this really gifted player, there's like this weird kind of Kyrie Irving hate campaign that I'm seeing like all over Reddit. There's like a couple of really significant YouTube channels that have lots of followers that are pumping out daily content about basically the problem with Kyrie. It's all over Twitter. uh, And these people are arguing about like they say he's selfish. they say he doesn't want to win a title. They attack his leadership qualities. They call him all these sort of things. And now it's like it's spreading, like you said, to the media. You have like people like Bill Simmons suggesting that the Celtics are sick of Kyrie. You have... Bill painting the picture that Kyrie's LeBron comments were backhanded handed jabs to his teammates and then recently suggesting creating, you know, he wanted to trade Kyrie to the Clippers for a pack of cigarettes or something. Like, holy crap. <laughs> and then you have Charles Barkley getting onto that. So yeah. I, I want to ask you about, guys about this because I feel like because Kyrie's a known conspiracy theorist, I think there's aspects of his personality that's, like, inviting this conspiracy theory culture around him. So now you have, like, all these people on Reddit and everything spreading, like, crazy theories about how he was secret suspended, how he still wants to play with the Knicks, how he's self-sabotaging his stint in Boston so that he can get more freedom to play elsewhere. It's like, dude, like, do you think that's, like, this weird thing where it's like, he's a conspiracy theorist, so let's create conspiracy theories around him?
0: Well, I think... Um, it. <laughs> I think he invites I think he invites um, what what he invites on himself is the is, is the like assumption that he's doing things super deliberately to, to you know to manipulate the media so even in a situation like this one where I th- I think he was actually genuine and I think he was actually just trying to say hey look guys like I, I happen to call LeBron about this you know like I mean I could be naive here but I think he was just trying to tell a story to say hey like and as much as these kids are young punks, I was a young punk too, right? Like, I get it. I'm, I'm empathizing with what these kids are going through, mm-hmm. and but I kind of agree with you that, like, um, you know, his general weirdness kind of it's sort of, uh, yeah, it sort of seems to me like like he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt for being genuine that much, and yeah. and I'd say that the the divide between the people who really seem to defend him and the people who are kind of a little bit opposed to him or the people who regard him with with a bit of um skepticism is a bit generational like like Simmons is Simmons is an older guy now right and I guess like where we are I don't know how old you are Larry but like you know I'm probably on the on the median point you know in terms of age wise of a lot of Celtics fans and I'm a bit I'm 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 not ready to give my heart to Kyrie but I'm Real happy he's on my team, you know. Um, I love that. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding my heart. Guarding my heart. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Does does that make some sense?
2: It does, and you know, yeah. in the spirit of like these, <laughs> in the spirit of like these conspiracy theories, I keep seeing pop around. <laughs> Kyrie, I wanted to come up with my own right here on the oh, Celtics Reddit oh, podcast. Here we go. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm going to use the same kind of ridiculous logic leaps that these guys use to, to paint a picture for you. So this is going to be really, it's going to be spicy, as Bill Hondo said on my podcast. It's a conspiracy <laughs> of the highest order. Okay, you guys ready for this? <laughs> Please. Let's, go. let's okay. do this. I think this Kyrie Irving hate campaign... <laughs> it's a well-organized militant effort being perpetuated by the New York Knicks and New York centric media and like you're gonna laugh it (laughs) off you're gonna say I'm crazy but like I think the whole thing is trying to create turmoil within the fan community and within the locker room and all these suspicious Twitter Twitter, Reddit accounts I think they're all disinformation agents that are trying to like get us Celtics fans (laughs) to turn on Kyrie and have him push him to the New York Knicks and I have facts all right I have facts and I want to share (laughs) you these facts first of all NBA headquarters. Where's that at? New York City. New York. Right. Right. Whoa. So they clearly have a vested interest in having Kyrie sign with a premier franchise. But it goes beyond that. Charles Barkley, his comments today, you know, said that Kyrie threw his teammates under the bus. Uh TNT's parent company, Warner Media. Where's that (laughs) headquartered? New York City. Right. Whoa. Even like the post game (laughs) stuff on NBC Sports, Boston. Parent company, NBC Universal, based in New York City. Like it's a whole conspiracy. But the the whole the most damning of all these though is my man, Bill Simmons, who I've been a fan of for years. And like, in fact, I met him once in New Orleans and he refused to get a picture with me. He was very drunk at the time. But (laughs) Bill Simmons, I'm going to say this right now on your podcast right now. I'm publicly accusing Bill Simmons of being compromised. And think about this. So The Ringer, which he of course runs, is owned by HBO. And HBO's headquarters is in New York City. But beyond that, do you know who actually founded HBO? No. None, no. other, none other than 92-year-old <laughs> multi-billionaire Charles Dolan, who controls MS oh, Juneau's no. Madison Square no. Garden Company and whose son is executive chairman on the Knicks. So I'm just saying, like, I think that Bill Simmons has been compromised. He's a puppet for the Dolan propaganda machine. And I think that everyone out there who's listening to your podcast, I mean, just think about your sources. Think about who's, <laughs> who's big Knicks, who's the New York media. You know, I think they're all on the payroll. And you need to, like, listen to guys like you from Australia and New Zealand because you're like the you like the BBC News of Celtic fandom, grid. yeah. <laughs> or like you know, the subscribe to my <laughs> subscribe man. to my YouTube channel. I'm in Seattle. I'm not on payroll, you know. Like I think that's all. It's all connected, man. It's all connected.
1: Wow, this is uh wow. So there's there's probably going to be about drink.
2: there's about 30 minutes between recording
1: and this podcast going live. I, I think you've got about 30 minutes, lubber. Uh, 33 to to get yourself underground, <laughs> find a bunker, because this expose is uh, it's going to draw a lot of probably attention from some from the bigwigs from uh, the New York basketball society uh to your direction so um, we're
2: spreading truth man we're spreading truth <laughs> that's
1: right that's right uh, well look there's always there's always a place for you here in uh in sydney and i'm, I'm sure in new zealand as well but um I, I, there's probably some some strange merit to that i, I believe david <laughs> stern is as likely on the on the has a chair on the board of some other new york basketball society as well and there's, there's definitely me, a lot of an incentive to get a guy like Kyrie irving into uh, into new york so yeah. uh how deep does this go it's deep man <laughs> I, I i don't think we'll ever know this is probably as close as we'll get that's uh wow you've really uh you've not to, not to get it to too off track though I was, I was curious
2: about <laughs> I, I usually ask people on, the, on my podcast like you guys are from australia and new zealand and i've yeah. listened to you know a handful of your podcast i was really curious like how did you guys get into the team because i've done like five of my podcasts and i haven't yeah. actually spoke to anyone in boston but you guys are certainly way out there like who are you guys
1: yeah uh good question i uh, i lived in thailand for a few years when i was a kid uh, my parents taught over there and uh, it was an american school and uh, a lot of my closest friends were like from boston or at least at the time uh, fans of the celtics And so, like, the first 10 years or so of my Celtics fandom, I didn't see a single game. um, But we were really into, like, trading basketball cards. And and Larry Bird was a card that I got, like, quite early on. And (laughs) Joe, like, you'll probably, you'll understand this, but like when I was a kid before we moved to Thailand we'd go I'd watch my dad play footy and then we'd go like to the club afterwards and he'd have a couple of beers with his mates and Larry Bird just like looked like one of my dad's like footy mates <laughs> like he just had like a mullet and like a dirty mustache and like you could easily see him with like a beer and a cigarette in his yeah. hands and it just like it just spoke to me <laughs> that's Larry a, I know it's a weird sh- Larry, reason
0: Larry Larry'd get the first handle for sure yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> dummy half um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that and like I obviously heard through conversations that, you know, they were a successful team and, and whatnot. And while they weren't successful at the time in the 90s when I was a kid, um, I wasn't watching their games, So I, I didn't know better. I knew that Michael Jordan was good and I knew that it wasn't cool to like jump on that bandwagon. So I uh, became a Celtics fan. And then in like 2005, you could actually start to watch the games on, mm-hmm. on Channel 10 here in Australia, and then like not long after on League Pass, International League Pass. So, yeah, it's a weird weird way to come about it. But since then, I've been over to Boston like six times now. I've uh, been to a bunch of playoff games. Uh, I think I've been to like 16 Celtics games. Most recently, I went to a game in Detroit in October, this uh, late, late last year. Um, awesome. awesome. So, yeah, just, I don't know, super into it. What about you, Joe? We never really covered that.
0: Um. Well, I mean, the basketball craze kind of swept... Through this part of the world around about the same time, sort of MJ, you know, through yeah, yeah. and the the trading cards. That really the MJ years were. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I wasn't. we born in the mid eighties, so it's not like we're going to remember the late eighties. But <laughs> um, the trading cards thing was was definitely part of it, like for getting into basketball. Um, it's funny. Like I was thinking about these advanced analytics things that they put up on the on the you know in the in arena broadcast and how they're like. They're not advanced analytics They're kind of like The little blurbs That you used to get On the back of the trading cards (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like Marcus Smart Had a career high Six for You know Six for eight From three That would be an advanced analytics Thing uh, At at the TD Garden But it actually belongs On the back of a trading card Anyway I digress Um, So Got into basketball Um, I can remember two things One was like The Microsoft Encarta Microsoft Encarta blurb About basketball um, and I just remember there was this there's this pass where like Larry Bird does this touch pass to Kevin McHale, um, on this like the you know how they have like their topic videos um, in encarta and I just thought that was pretty cool. And I thought oh man like he that looks like my kind of player. And then um, I guess I I used to be man I used to be like a Phoenix Suns Jason Kidd fan believe it or not. Interesting. And then and then um, I kind of in the year that Pierce got stabbed, I sort of started paying attention. And then after Patino got fired, they went on that run and they almost made the playoffs that year. Yeah. And I was like, I was, I was really hoping that they were going to make it. And then after that, around that time, cause it was like 2001, Simmons was starting to write for page two yep. and he was writing about the Celtics. And that was a huge like push for me to, to get into it. I remember one of the articles he wrote was like about Len Bias dying, which mm-hmm. might've been a year later. It was yep. like a, 20th anniversary of some something important and um yeah like probably those sort of things like kind of a confluence of those kind of pushed me in so like a general love for basketball and then um and then you know like there's just something romantic about like the, the the stories of the 80s and i guess i picked larry i like larry more than magic yeah
1: yeah there's like a historic awesomeness about the celtics i think a lot of people on, on our corner of the planet are sort of posed with a like a, a choice of um, it's like a fork in the road. You can go Celtics or Lakers, like because of their history, sure. and, uh, and we just happen to go Celtics. So uh, that's a good question, though. What, what about yourself, LaBird? Bird? Where, are you uh, from yeah, Boston so, originally.
2: Uh, yeah, so I have family that's from the Boston area. I was born pretty close to there in uh, Salem, Massachusetts, where the, the witches are all from. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, but I, I I've moved out to, when I was young, so I've been living in Seattle. But I think that's like that's what I really love about your podcast and like that Strangers project that I'm doing and just in general yeah. talking to people on Reddit is it's. It's, I can't just go to my local pub and sit down next to someone mm. and start talking to him about Brad Wanamaker. They're going to think I'm crazy, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, So it's really cool to be able to connect with folks like you. I was curious to, like, you know, one of you from Australia and New Zealand, I always thought that you guys were like mortal enemies or something. Has that been a challenge? Uh, so basketball is a good neutral uh, <laughs> point for us. If we start to talk about cricket and rugby,
1: um, I don't know. I, I guess historically Australia has owned the cricket and historically New Zealand has owned the rugby. Would you say that, Joe?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I think a good way to describe the differences between Australia and New Zealand is actually through the NBA. Because, like, (laughs) Joe Ingalls is like everything about Australia that we love and we hate. Like, Joe Ingalls is honestly like the archetypal Australian. He actually is. Like, he's like, like Australians talk crap, right? Yeah. Right? you know Absolutely. they'll talk crap and they'll back <laughs> they will back it up man like they will back it up they're, they're just they brush brasher that's what this and, uh,
1: podcast is uh, predicated upon <laughs> Sorry, <yeah. go> on.
0: <laughs> and then you take steven adams steven adams is also like the archetypal new zealander he really is you know like he like he almost play. he plays it up hard out actually like he um he uses kiwi lingo and stuff talking to american media like like yeah. he's dialing it up like you would when you're uh, when you're a tourist and you meet some cute girl who likes your accent, so you dial up the Kiwi just to, <laughs> just to tilt the tilt the odds in your favour a little bit, like <laughs> yeah. But there's so many similarities between Ingalls and Adams, right? Like they're sort of self-deprecating, the sure. laid back, the funny, and that's kind of similar to like the, the there are a lot of similarities between Australia and New Zealand, and um you know there's some actually some shared history which you probably aren't familiar with in the states. We fought together in the wars and stuff like that. That's a big deal. We have a shared, like our like our equivalent of Memorial Day, I guess, is is this thing called Anzac Day, okay. and it's um like both New Zealand and Australia have the same day off public holiday. You know, it's our, our shared military sort of public holiday. Thing. Oh, so awesome. yeah. you know, there's some things that tie it in together, but um it can be war, like for instance in rugby, <laughs> like um that's like not, New Zealand dominates really one form of yeah New Zealand <laughs> dominates this. It's weird, but there's two kind of different but same forms of rugby. New Zealand dominates one and Australia dominates the other. But in the one we dominate in, like, we'd prefer to play South Africa. Like, there's actual ad- level of animosity towards some of the Australian I see, I see, players. all right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> ben, I also was going to ask you, do you claim Kyrie Irving because he's born in Australia? Uh, <laughs> I want to be able to, but, I mean,
1: we've seen a couple of, you know, Olympic matchups and, and FIBA matchups where it's been the, the Aussie Boomers versus Team USA and... and Kyrie is very proudly wearing, and probably (laughs) rightfully so. Let's be honest, the the USA. uh, Yeah. So as much as I would like to, there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, we can. We can go down that rabbit hole if you like, but... Um,
0: but you know, your follow-up <laughs> question should be, do we claim Aaron Baines because he was born in Gizzy? Oh. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but let's be honest. Like Aaron Baines, <laughs> like he, he knows he's an Australian, right? Like he, he He's the embodiment of an Australian. He uh, I don't think he's ever even really mentioned New Zealand in any of his uh, comments. So you've got Stephen Adams.
2: Just leave it at that. It's, uh, yeah, he's
0: uh, a better version of yep. Aaron Baines. Yeah. I appreciate but, uh, the
2: brief, uh, the brief education right after this in the morning, I'm going to, uh, Whistler, BC, uh, Vancouver and most of them are there Aussies cause they have like yeah. this weird, like shared work, uh, training thing or swap uh-huh. off or something. So yeah, I just need to, if I'm sitting on a ski lift with some Aussie, I need to be able to say like, you know, I'll have some knowledge. So appreciate it. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, no worries. It's uh look, it's been really good to have you on, man. Uh, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of your strangers podcast. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, sort great, of in, its in its early days there, I think four or five episodes at this point. Um, how, can you tell us anything about like what's coming up next for that? Have you, have you got a guest plan for your next episode or like what's coming up for the Strangers podcast?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to it, it's kind of been an interesting thing where, um, you know, I just I've been chatting with people for like 20 years, but never beyond text. It kind of started as a spontaneous thing where I called up this uh, this guy named Scott Scott who I talk to all the time on Facebook and recorded it as like a first podcast, and it kind of splintered from there. So the last like few episodes because there was. The Celtics were kind of struggling. The Reddit community was all in an uproar, and and people were kind of throwing – they are flaming each other and calling each other trolls and, like, spreading all this hate. I just thought it would be curious if I started calling some of these people that were kind of, like, notorious figures. So, like, the second episode, I called up Bill Hondo, who is well-known as a troll, I guess. Uh, (laughs) But it was cool to connect with him. And then episode three, I called up this uh, guy that I really – you know, I did not get along with him, so I tried to make peace with him. And in episode four, I called up a big Australian boat fellow on Reddit who really, really that dude really hated me. And, and in the process, <laughs> I like exposed some of his secrets and kind of made peace with him as well. So that was fun. I mean, I'm still kind of experimenting with it. It's just fun to connect with people. Um, like I was saying, like I can't just go into a pub, um, you know, yeah. I can't just start randomly talking to people about the Celtics. And the difference being on the internet, if I you know bring up something like I think Gordon Hayward might be you know, take 18 months to get healthy. They'll probably just re- react by laughing it off right in a pub. But in the internet culture, they'll just start like lashing out at you and like, try to, you know, get you thrown out of the forum and stuff. So it's cool to just kind of connect with real people. I have a few other people I might uh, talk to in the future. Uh, I was thinking about maybe trying to connect with some fans of other teams and see uh-huh. if we can, you know, kind of mm. make some peace about that kind of stuff as well. So uh, it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, I'd actually love to do a podcast. You know, I'm going to say you do it because I'd love your concept for the podcast. Um, but I, I'd, I'd love to see you, like, talk with someone from the Nets because I feel like we owe the Nets a lot yeah, right, right, and, yeah. and like I really like I really <laughs> love their team this year you know so you know I feel like a little olive branch to somebody from the Nets you know yeah. maybe maybe I could get my cousin Sean Marks to talk to you I don't know like, <laughs> I'm open I, uh, to it man. He's, he's uh,
1: I would love to see someone from the Nets like fan base like come in hot like really bitter and angry still <laughs> and see if you can calm them down and, I know, and make I a civil conversation out of it yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look. You know, great. Uh, great win against the the Grizzlies today. A, a, a great. Um guest appearance by labird 33 on the podcast today and uh if you haven't listened to it already the the strangest podcast which is you know it's posted on reddit every time one comes out it's on youtube just search labo 33 it's there it's great very much worth to listen to if you haven't listened to it already um all right that's gonna do it for this episode of the celtics reddit podcast thanks as always for joining us we'll be back again later this week at some point between the heat and the Cavs game i believe Larbird33, this is really fun, man. We'll have to make it a regular thing. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Joe, love your work, mate. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
0: Yeah, you too, man.
1: All right. Go Celtics. Peace.
0: Cheers.